Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York, I'm Doug Krisner. Let's get you caught up on market action right now at the top of the hour with uh, one hour to go on uh, the final day of the trading week. We have a kind of a mixed picture for equities. Uh, the Dow Industrial Average right now is down less than one-tenth of one percent, but in the broader market, the S&P 500 is holding on to a gain of about one-tenth of one percent. Relative strength in many of the information technology firms, material stocks up, and energy, uh, some of the energy names following the price of crude oil higher. Crude is up about one-half of one percent. This is WTI crude. We're trading right around $43 a barrel, but it's been a tough week for oil, hasn't it? Uh, we given back about 4% on the current WTI contract. S&P 500 better by nearly two-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ composite is up just about four-tenths of 1%. Actively traded, Bed Bath & Beyond, the stock is down as much as 12%, the lowest level we have seen in seven years. This is after the company posted a surprising decline in sales for Q1. Seeing a narrowing of Treasury uh, yield spreads uh, right now, the distance between the 2 and the 10, that spread only 80 basis points. The two-year right now with a yield of 1.33, 10-year has got a yield of 2.14%. So you're caught up on markets. Let's get back to Carol and Corey and more Bloomberg markets. All right, Doug Krisner, thank you so much. Doug Krisner with a Bloomberg Business News Flash. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Master along with Corey Johnson. This portion brought to you by Brown University School of Professional Studies, engaging mid-career professionals with executive master's degrees in business, cybersecurity, healthcare, and technology. Brown.edu slash executive. This is Bloomberg Radio. Dave Wilson, our stock center, joins us right now with his stock and song of the day. No, it'd be the chart, chart of the, of the day. day. Pardon me, chart of the day, of course. Yes, the chart of the day, focusing in on something that actually Doug Krisner just mentioned, talking about the yield gap and the song into the gap. It's all about the uh, differential between uh, yields on shorter-term Treasury securities and longer ones. And uh, Tony Dwyer, who's the chief market strategist at Canaccord Genuity, looked at this in the context of what may lie ahead for stocks. Specifically, he focused in on, and I suppose it's sort of an arbitrary choice, but nonetheless, uh, the gap between six-month Treasury bills and 10-year notes, which uh, just the other day got to right around 100 basis points or one percentage point. It's been narrowing along with uh, – other gaps. So he went back and looked historically at, you know, what happens to stocks when yield gaps narrow. And it, it's sort of, you, you kind of have to follow the logic here in a sense that, you know, what is it that tends to create uh, narrower spreads in the Treasury market? Well, among other things, it's concerned about where the economy is headed. And you figure if people are kind of doubtful there, then perhaps stocks will suffer because of that. Well, if you look back to the 1990s and the 2000s, that was not the case, which is really Dwyer's point. Uh, you, you saw the yield gap that he focused on narrow, and then, sure enough, stocks kept rising for years. So the way he describes himself, and it's sort of an interesting uh, kind of headline, if nothing else, is the yield curve mythbuster. 
the whole idea that, you know, sure, as, as yield spreads narrow, that means stocks are going down. Well, in his view, that's a myth, just looking at uh, history for the past couple of decades. If you want to know more, folks, send me an email. I'll get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it. And everything I do going forward, the email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. Usually a good indicator, Dave, or no? Well, in the sense that, I mean, you can sort of understand what people take away from narrower gaps. Right. Okay, it's just the question of whether that plays out as sort of a stock market signal. I mean, you go back to the 90s, it was like four years before you saw the peak. And then it was a couple of years uh, in the uh, bull market that ended in 2007 that stocks kept going. So his take is it's not so great, even if you get to the point where you see yields lower on longer-term securities, which is what you call an inverted yield curve. Right, exactly. Hey, let's uh, bring in Carl Riccadonna, our chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg Intelligence, watching uh, the day's economic news. And feel free to comment on the yield curve. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, historically a flat yield curve has been a, 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 I don't know if troubling is too strong of a word, but an indication that the Fed has tightened policy uh, to a degree where uh, growth and inflation will both be uh, reined in uh, by financial conditions. And so, uh, you know, looking back to the episodes uh, Dave alluded to, uh, you know, there were some unique factors, especially in the uh, 2000s uh, cycle, because uh, that, that that was Greenspan's conundrum famously, uh, and it had to do with a, a lot of foreign demand uh, for U.S. Treasuries. This was as uh, China and some other uh, countries were uh, basically uh, engineering weak currency policies uh, by uh, reinvesting into Treasuries, and so that kept uh, yields depressed and kind of distorted the signal. Also confounded the Fed as they were trying to tighten policy, uh, but uh, longer and yields didn't respond in kind, and that's uh, one of the reasons, at least, about why we saw the housing uh, bubble inflate. So I think the moral of the story here, uh, if there is some large external buyer, China, Fed, QE, uh, you can distort the signal uh, from uh, the yield curve. And so in particular, I'll be watching uh, as the Fed starts unwinding its balance sheet uh, that's presumably starting in the second half of the year, either Q3 or Q4. Tune in next week when Janet Yellen speaks on Wednesday. Maybe we'll get some clues. Uh, but as the Fed lets its balance sheet run off, uh, we'll have to watch how the shape of the yield curve uh, reacts because it certainly does look flat right now, and that can be uh, a troubling omen, uh, but uh, it'll be yet to be seen when, when natural market forces uh, become more prevalent. But uh, maybe also a reason why we pay so much attention to those numbers when we see China's reporting uh, you know, how much they're buying in terms of treasuries because they're in there in such a big way that it can overwhelm the otherwise uh, – uh, helpful predictor. That's exactly the point. Whether it's China or the Fed, uh, it's like a a big electromagnet uh, turning on uh, next to your compass and uh, distorting the signal. Where is Janet Allen speaking? Is she giving testimony? Uh, She is speaking in London, so she's speaking to the British Academy. uh, And this will be a noteworthy speech. Of course, every time she speaks, we want to pay close attention. Uh, But in these remarks, and and the remarks are going to be geared towards the global economy, uh, but uh, nonetheless, she'll be speaking on her own behalf. Whereas when she's in the post-meeting press conference or testifying before Congress, she's often speaking on behalf of the broader FOMC. And so she has a, a much 
much more uh, uh, dialed down opinion uh, in those types of comments. Here, she will be speaking as Janet Yellen, uh, Fed chair, not uh, as a representative of the broader committee. And so maybe you get some insights, especially if there does appear to be a gap between the tone of her remarks next week and that of the post-meeting press conference. That right. may signal that she's not in line with the central view of the committee uh, and maybe has some reservations uh, about the degree to which the uh, the Fed is uh, cranking up the pace of normalization with faster interest rate increases, uh, asset runoff that uh, surprised many analysts, myself included, with the speed they're ramping it up, uh, in an economy that's really not showing signs of accelerating. Uh, It's dramatic. Um, And... uh you, it also sort of wonder. I mean, you know, we talk to market guests all the time, looking, waiting for, a, is there a, a crash coming? Is, is a recession? We have been so high for so long, but it is. It's the economy too. Uh, maybe not so strong. Looking for a shock or, or to guys, survive a real shock here. Yeah, we we uh, reined in our forecasts yeah. uh, on the expectation that Trumponomics was not going to be successfully incorporated. And, uh, you know, if the Fed is raising interest rates, then you dial back your expectations for interest-sensitive spending, be it housing, autos, uh, or capital expenditures. Dave Wilson, what are we watching for, keeping a watch out for next week? You know, that's a heck of a question. I mean, given that we get toward the end of the quarter, yeah. uh, not a whole lot really to focus on company-wise. Though we do get some earnings reports, and Nike will be out next week. That'll be interesting. On the data front, uh, next Friday we get income and spending. You get the inflation numbers. It's going to show further backsliding. All right. We're going to be watching out for that. Dave Wilson, Stocks Editor at Bloomberg News. Carl Rigadana, our Chief U.S. Economist at Bloomberg Intelligence, our in-house group of analysts. Some world of national news headlines from Bloomberg News anchor Adrian Mitchell in our 991 studios in Washington D.C. Hey, Corey and Carol, House Republican leaders are taking steps toward bringing up a tax-cutting bill as the Senate heads for a week of hyperactivity on repealing and replacing Obamacare. Bloomberg's Irv Chapman reports. Senate Republican leaders hope to placate both conservative and moderate outliers, but quickly learned that four stalwarts of their right wing would not go along. Rand Paul spoke for them. We cannot support the current bill. We're open to negotiation, but we want the bill to look more like a repeal. Republicans from states that expanded Medicaid and that are coping with the opioid abuse epidemic voiced their displeasure. What will follow is as many amendments as the leadership is willing to debate and vote on, while Democrats denounce the bill's provisions and the secrecy of its drafting and all await the Congressional Budget Office estimate of its impact compared with Obamacare. Irv Chapman, Bloomberg Radio, Washington. The Senate Judiciary Committee is investigating reports that former Attorney General Loretta Lynch assured the Clinton campaign that the probe into her emails wouldn't go too far. The questions about Lynch are part of a broader investigation of President Trump's firing of FBI Director James Comey. The panel cites New York Times and Washington Post reports about a reported Russian intelligence document that mentions Lynch. The Post also says the FBI thinks the document could be a fake. The U.S. military will ask for a six-month delay in letting transgender people enlist. Officials tell the AP military leaders rejected a two-year wait that the Army and Air Force wanted. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Adrian Mitchell.